Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do want to thank R&B Car Company locations in South Bend and Warsaw. RB Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. I wanted to start today's show by going over... Ooh, that's really loud. My microphone is really loud going through the live stream. Sorry about that, folks. Um... I wanted to start with an update on a, a story that we brought you before. And I'm going to give you a heads up. You're probably going to hear a bunch of hammering and sawing and grunting and all sorts of stuff because they're doing all the construction right above the studio today. And it has been loud all day. So we were, we were given warning yesterday that this was probably going to happen. I am just letting you know that uh, if you hear any of that stuff, it's because they're still updating everything that's happening upstairs. The reason you're not getting the early show uh, the past... Uh, well, this week here. So I wanted to give you an update on this story, and it's a doozy because we talked about it before, and I had some questions about this. I really did. I had some serious questions about everything that kind of transpired with the local man in New Buffalo. I mean, local to Michiana, New Buffalo, Michigan, who was detained by the Coast Guard for his involvement in January 6th. And... You know, this is it was a strange story just because we have some some of those holes being filled in there and the the stuff that he was saying and, and the stuff that actually happened and, and the things that were in the Real News Michiana article, I, I would just had some questions that needed to be filled in. Well, they've been filled in. Um, Clifton was able to get the body cam footage from the police department. So we've got the entire thing on on camera now. And a lot of the questions that I had have been answered. And it is much worse than we even theorized it would be when we covered this, what, I think at the beginning of June. So now we've got, I, I want to quote one of the, I want to quote one of the Coast Guard members here. This is bleeping embarrassing as bleep. This is bleeping bad. Now that's. That's after the ordeal is done with. So to give you an idea, you've got members of the Coast Guard who are like, uh-oh, we screwed up. This is a situation where you essentially had somebody swatted and they didn't do anything wrong, but yet law enforcement, air quote, law enforcement, uh, Coast Guard got involved. So Real News Michiana has obtained exclusive body cam video of a false arrest of a Granger man. Yeah, it happened in New Buffalo, but it, that's right. He's he's from Granger. Um, by the Coast Guard last month. Now, the Coast Guard made the arrest based off of a flyer that was sent to them from an anonymous source. More on that flyer later. Then claimed that the man was wanted for assaulting a federal officer at the January 6, 2021 rally in protest in D.C., and it turned out that there was no warrant. Now, we already knew that there was no warrant. So we had already gone over that stuff for the previous time that we had covered this thing last month. The Coast Guard arrested Walker. His name is Gary Walker. He's from Granger. He was in New Buffalo. Uh, arrested, detained. Again, it, it, you go kind of back and forth. He was detained for two hours. He wasn't sent to the station or booked or anything like that. So I'll use the word detained. He was detained for a couple of hours on June 11th. Now, this was at the Moorings Marina in New Buffalo. There was no warrant. There was no evidence. 
that the man who was 68 years old, he's retired, did anything illegal. In fact, it appears that the Coast Guard was acting on an anonymous tip, and the Coast Guard did not verify the anonymous tip with the FBI. So we've talked about swatting before on the show many times. Swatting is where, you know, people call law enforcement and they say so-and-so is barricaded in their house and they have hostages and they're going to kill everybody. And the SWAT team comes out and the SWAT team acts as if there is an immediate threat. Things are different, right? Uh, The operation is different than just a normal police stop or what have you. So oftentimes you will have the SWAT team raiding homes and there has been situations where people have been shot. There have been situations where shootouts with law enforcement have happened because the the residents of the home didn't even know that law enforcement was involved. This is kind of like that. It's not exactly the same, but this is somebody sent a, quote, anonymous tip to the Coast Guard while they were at the marina doing boat inspections that this guy was wanted for assaulting a federal officer, and then they, they go ahead and they detain him. But he wasn't wanted for assaulting a federal officer. There's no warrant for his arrest. That never happened. And so on the body cam, you can actually hear some of the members of the Coast Guard talking about how it's kind of strange that they don't have a warrant, but they have this flyer that was sent to them. We have a paper saying that he had an assault on a federal officer in the January 6th rally, said one of the uh, Coast Guardsmen. We were doing some boardings here, and we had we had his boat. This is this is the Coast Guard talking to the police officer, and the police officer's body cam recording it, which I can't play just because of sound quality issues and things like that, but I have linked to on social media. So they're there doing boat inspections, which is what the Coast Guard does. They get a notification, they get a tip or a flyer, whatever, that this guy was wanted for assaulting a federal officer on January 6th. Now, of course, those of you who have been paying attention you know the fbi has a website up there's a bunch of pictures on that website If you know anything about these individuals please let us know so this guy's picture is on the website there's actually several pictures of him on the website and that's where this all kind of stems from and i told you all it was going to be a bad idea to do that anyway so they're there doing boat inspections they have this information this tip if you will this flyer that he assaulted a federal officer in january 6 and he's wanted by the fbi So they detained him. Now, what's interesting about this story, and this is where I was really confused the first time around, is that he approached them, and he's like, hey, are you guys here doing boat inspections? Could you inspect my boat? And then they, they like, detained the guy and handcuffed him. (laughs) And it it was kind of this weird thing, like, why would that interaction happen? But they actually kind of explained, yeah, we're here doing boat inspections, and then we got information that this was the guy. So they say they called their NTC, their national database. They weren't getting a hit on anything. Um, And then there's another Coast Guard member who's on the phone with the FBI trying to figure out if this person is actually wanted by the FBI. Meanwhile, he's handcuffed and he's being detained in front of everybody. And if you remember from the last time that we talked about this, there were people at the marina again who were, you know, accusing him of being a domestic terrorist and all this other nonsense. Uh, just because he was being accused of of being a rioter on January 6th, which he didn't riot on January 6th. So this is what this is what the tip is. This is why I I really I wanted to kind of focus on this. This is an update. You're filling in the blanks. We have more information about this because we have the the body camera. But folks, the tip 
the flyer that came through was a fake FBI wanted poster. I'm not making this up. So it wasn't like somebody called up and said, hey, uh, there's this guy at my marina who is on the FBI's website right now that they want for questioning. You know, he's here. Come on out and take him into custody. It wasn't something like that. Somebody had sent a fake FBI wanted poster and sent it to several law enforcement agencies in the entire area. And it was all done through an anonymous source, which means that there is somebody who is targeting this man who, again, lives in Granger. His boat is in is in Michigan. But he's being targeted directly by somebody because they took his picture and they sent it to local law enforcement agencies with a fake FBI wanted poster. Now, of course, my my big question here is, at this point, will there be an investigation into the individual who did this so you can arrest them? Walker says that he was at the marina when he saw several Coast Guard members doing boat inspections. I said, are you guys doing inspections? They said, yeah. I said, can I get my boat inspected? They said, yeah, sure. They followed me to my boat. And as soon as I stepped onto my dock, I took about two steps and they said, halt, don't move, turn around. At that point, Walker told Real News Michiana that the Coast Guard informed him that they were acting on a warrant from the FBI, which, of course, we know they weren't doing because there is no warrant. They had me walk off the dock. They said that they were arresting me and there's a warrant out for my arrest from the FBI for assaulting a federal police officer on the January 6th riot. Okay. Except it didn't. None of that's real. None of that's true. There's a little bit more to this that we'll we'll cover here in just a second because somebody needs to be found, and we'll see if law enforcement actually decides to to do their job here. And and I've asked some questions to the uh, the Coast Guard via social media. I haven't actually called any local offices or anything like that, but you know, at some point, local law enforcement is going to have to say, "All right, whoever sent this fake wanted poster out here, that person needs to be spoken to, and probably detained because they're spreading, you know, this. They're basically swatting this guy." And it led to him being detained. If nothing else, he has a right to know who they are so he can sue them. So more on this coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Told you before that the last vehicle that we purchased was from R&B Car Company. We do their endorsements for a reason. I am a customer of R&B Car Company. Great people. Uh, super easy car buying process. Massive, massive selection. They're now in three cities. So you got them in South Bend. You got them in Columbia City. Of course, you got them in Warsaw. And they will transport those vehicles between the dealerships. This is something that they do as a courtesy for the customer on a regular basis. So if there's something you want to test drive, but maybe it's in Warsaw and you can't make it to Warsaw, they'll bring it down to South Bend for you as long as there isn't a scheduled test drive uh, for that vehicle. And then you can actually test drive it here. Just really, honestly, very, very simple process to buy a car, which is always nice. There's, it's not an all-day ordeal. I think we uh, wife test drove about six vehicles. We were in and out in less than two hours. Kids got to watch TV, have some snacks and things like that. The staff made sure they were entertained. Low pressure, no hidden costs, no shenanigans that you find at a lot of dealerships. Just a very straight-up, honest process with a good deal. Go to rbcarcompany.com, take a look at their inventory, and, of course, when you go there, please let them know that I sent you. We're talking about this story here with a Granger man. He has his boat in New Buffalo, Michigan, across the border, and he is, he is taken into custody. He is detained by the Coast Guard last month. Now, body cam footage has been obtained by realnewsmichiana.com. The body cam footage is very damaging to the Coast Guard. And, and you know, I, you guys who've listened to me for many, many years, you know my respect for the Coast Guard. Uh, almost came out of retirement many years ago and went back in with the Coast Guard. Uh, it's, a, it's a great, great organization. I think that everybody understands that. However, this is not good. You know, arresting somebody and taking them into custody based on nothing more than a photoshopped wanted poster is not a good look for the Coast Guard. And, and there's at least some of the members of the Coast Guard who are there who know that, and they're on the body cam saying, yeah, we screwed up. This is not great. So anyway, they, they get a tip, an anonymous tip, that this guy is wanted for assaulting a federal officer during the January 6th riots, and his... His face has been sent to all sorts of local law enforcement agencies to track him down, which means somebody has a vendetta against this dude. And maybe it's just because they know he's a Trump supporter and they don't like him. I don't know. Maybe it's personal. Not exactly sure. But somebody photoshopped a fake FBI wanted poster with his picture on it and sent it out to local law enforcement. Well, they end up getting a tip at the, uh, the marina that this guy is wanted by the FBI. So they take him into custody. And you can see on the body cam that they don't actually have a warrant. They're on the phone with the FBI trying to confirm that the FBI actually wants this guy. And there isn't an actual warrant out for his arrest. So, after about an hour, New Buffalo police officers then arrive on the scene. New Buffalo police officer checks with uh, checks for Walker with warrants. This is the guy who's detained through her database, and once again, nothing comes back. So even the New Buffalo police officer, when she arrives, she's like, this guy's got no warrants for me. So you've got the Coast Guard not getting any warrants. You've got the police officer not getting any warrants. And then you've got another Coast Guardman on the phone with the FBI going, well, we have this flyer that says he's wanted by the FBI. And at this point, like, nobody's really paying attention and going, um... We don't actually have a warrant. This appears to be just a, a Photoshop. Why, why are we here? So anyway, the fact that he doesn't have one, a warrant, is kind of funny, says one Coast Guard member. This making a, an arrest is out of, out of ordinary for us. We are trained to do it, but we are federal officers. He's a boarding officer. I'm a boarding officer, so I'm not a federal officer. I am a federal officer, excuse me. But, like, we don't do this sort of stuff too often. 
So he's talking on, on the body cam of the police officer, okay? So this is just a Coast Guardsman talking with other Coast Guardsmen and, and talking to the police officer like, yeah, we can do this, but we don't really do this all that much. The Coast Guard holds Walker in handcuffs for nearly an hour and a half before taking off the restraints. However, he is still being held in custody. After attempting to confirm the warrant through the FBI for nearly two hours, the Coast Guard finally lets Walker go. Now, keep in mind, he's been on display in handcuffs. People are yelling things at him and that sort of thing. Uh, they did apologize to him, and and I, you know, that needs to be stressed. They apologized to them. They appear to be the victims of a of a hoax. The Coast Guard is, but at the same time, there never should have been a situation without a warrant in hand that you detain somebody. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. But that's what happened. Now, after the January 6th rally, because Walker was in D.C. on January 6th. So after that rally, he's had four interactions with federal agents. There was a couple of times where they were calling him and they wanted to speak with him and, and he didn't really want to talk to them. And then he had a lawyer uh, talk to them. They set up like a public meeting and that sort of thing. The FBI showed up at his house one day. Uh, but when he sat down and actually met with him, he was told by the FBI that they weren't there to arrest him. And they asked him some questions. He answered all of their questions, and that was it. It was done with. And that's all according to his attorney. So now um, there's the possibility, I guess, of a lawsuit here. But, you know, we'll have to see exactly what happens. But now what it needs to really happen is, is the, the law enforcement agencies in the area that got this flyer need to start looking for who sent the flyer to them. Because whoever made this fake Photoshop of, of this guy to and send it to law enforcement so that way he would be detained and arrested and what have you. I mean, that's that's targeted harassment. Um, I'm sure that there's some other charges on there by pretending to be the FBI, probably impersonating, would, would that count as impersonating a federal agent? I don't know. You're making a fake FBI wanted poster. I'm not exactly sure. With the explicit intent of getting somebody arrested by the FBI. But again, the FBI did create this website. They've got pictures on the website of people where, you know, they want people to be identified and like, hey, if you know anything about this person, please contact us. Well, the FBI already knows who he is. The FBI's already interviewed him. The FBI's already determined that he didn't assault anybody and that he didn't go into the Capitol. He was just in D.C. Now, he did document some of the stuff that was happening from outside, and I think he was across the street. But he's not been accused of assaulting anybody. He's not been accused of rioting or any property damage. And he never went into the Capitol building at all. So he didn't break any laws. And the FBI met with him. They had a conversation with him. Yet somehow his images are still on the FBI website, which is going to further spur people in the future to go ahead and, and possibly send authorities after him. Now, I you know, at the same time, I, I get that the... I get that we are dealing with, uh, you know, the Coast Guard. They're not necessarily used to doing this sort of thing. They operate differently. I understand that. I think it's unfortunate that they got duped by this prank. But at the same time, this needs to be a cautionary tale going forward that, hey, you've still got people out there faking this stuff. And beyond that, uh, we're at a point where other federal agencies, which you were warned about by me and others, other federal agencies that normally don't do this stuff are now being roped into doing it. And they don't necessarily have the experience or skill set to go through this, this process. So they were basically given this anonymous tip, which is a Photoshop, and they detained the guy because of it without an actual warrant, without confirming that there was a warrant out for this guy's arrest beforehand, uh, just because it was an anonymous tip. Now, think of what that means for people. If you've got 
If you got somebody out there who doesn't like their neighbor, which this very well could be a situation like that, and they want to just send in an anonymous tip, and all of a sudden you've got law enforcement or military personnel or whatever detaining you, I mean, that's a pretty effective way to harass people. Now, let me ask you another question. What happens if if these types of tactics get morphed into red flag laws? If you can have somebody arrested for two hours, detained for two hours, however you want to phrase it, and you've had numerous examples throughout the country of red flag laws being abused, doesn't this at least give you pause? Even if you're a lawmaker, does not at least give you pause that, hey, we may not want to be taking away people's constitutional rights before we, we dot all of our I's and cross all of our T's here. Because all it took was for somebody to make a fake document and send it to law enforcement for the Coast Guard to get an anonymous tip that this guy was there. And I wouldn't be surprised if it were some of the people at that marina who were responsible for making this fake Photoshop because there was a tip that he was there. So maybe it came from somebody at the marina who was there. They knew who he was. They pointed him out to uh, to the authorities there, and they're sending it to local law enforcement. So it's it's got to be somebody who knows him and speaks with him with regularity or somebody at that marina, maybe one of the people who are shouting things at him when he was there. But law enforcement needs to be investigating who sent this so he can file a lawsuit against that person and any prob- not probable charges, but any likely charges that would apply should be used against that person so they actually face some reprimand for doing this. But again, this is um, on body cam. And again, I can't play it because of the language, but on, on the body cam, our sector, they think that this was a hoax. This is bleeping embarrassing. That's one of the Coast Guard people basically saying our whole sector thinks that this, we got, we basically got, we got scammed. And it is. It is pretty embarrassing for you guys. And I'm sorry it happened to you. I'm glad that you were, you know, polite and professional and that sort of thing with what you did. Uh, the problem is, is that the arrest never should have been made because even if it was a tip, you never should have made contact with him and took him into custody without that warrant in hand. That's the huge mistake here. we got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. MNC News time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime.
And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right. So there's this guy. Where is this? Where did this happen? This is in Northern Ireland. Okay. This guy um, got mad at a got mad at a marching band. I guess there's a parade in the street. And what he decided to do is he, oops, I guess I still have my notifications on, is he went ahead and uh, he threw a garbage can at the parade because he didn't like the noise that the parade was was making walking down his, his house. And I suppose in, in most of the world that would probably work out pretty good for somebody because if you throw a garbage can, most people probably just yell at you and that sort of thing and move on. But that didn't happen here. The, uh, the entire marching band rushed his door. So they climbed his fence, they climbed his wall, they rushed his door. He had to run inside and and hide. So, yeah, maybe maybe don't throw garbage cans at an entire crowd of people so you don't get in trouble that way. Uh, I don't think they were actually able to get in or anything like that, but, yeah, instant regret on that bad boy. Also, in New York City, there's a new ice cream truck that is running around, and it is themed after rich people. The ice cream the ice cream basically is eat the rich. So you can buy these ice cream, uh, like, you know, they're not popsicles, but you know those, like, ice creams that look like Pikachu and stuff like that, but they never actually look like Pikachu. But they're designed to look like rich people. So they have, like, Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and Elon Musk and that sort of thing. So you can buy one of these, and you can eat the rich. So naturally, there's a bunch of people who hate rich people who go and buy the ice cream, uh, they're, you know, all over social media bragging about this. They can buy the ice cream and they can eat the rich. Now, guess how much the ice cream costs? How much How much does ice cream usually cost at an ice cream truck? A couple bucks? Yeah. $10. So you're paying $10 to eat the rich because, what, you hate capitalism? Is that, is that, I'm assuming that there's a large chunk of people in New York who are eating the rich because they hate capitalism. They hate the idea of rich people being successful. And they're completely missing the irony. They're completely missing it. It's kind of like when you had, uh, there was a, a communist publication that was around for a while. I don't even know if they're still around, but they would never give away. They used to go to college campuses and they would never give away their their writings because they would have like their own like little newspaper or whatever. And they would never give away their their newspaper for free. You always had to pay for it. And people would ask them, like, why do I have to pay for this? You're communists. And it's like, officially, like, we are communists, like, unapologetically communists. And their answer to that was always, well, we just have to work it within the system that we have. <laughs> it's like, no, you're communists. This should be free. So I want one of your papers. And so a couple of, of people actually, you know, made funny videos where they just walked up and said, oh, thanks for this. I appreciate that. Tried to walk off. Like, no, 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 you owe us, like, two bucks. Like, no, I'm not paying you anything. But it's... um. Paying ten dollars, ten dollars. That is that is real money for ice cream. Ten bucks, and we're talking about these dorky looking ice creams that are on a stick. You can get such better ice cream for ten dollars. Holy smokes! The ice cream shops around here will give you gourmet ice cream for a lot less than ten bucks. But in New York, I guess they want to really eat the rich super bad, so they go ahead and and. Uh, clown themselves by getting in, involved in capitalism while trying to attack capitalism. Hey, do me a favor. Cue my audio. This is another parent. This is in, um, it's clay schools, one clay, one clay schools, not local clay. Okay. This is not here in our state, but this dad, he went to the school board 
And once again, you got another parent who's like, I'm going to read you some stuff that you're giving to my kid in school. And you run into the same same sort of, of behavior where they just they, they cut the microphone off and everything else. But the the school board president is particularly stupid in this particular clip. Now, I'm going to let you know that there are bits of this that are very difficult for you to hear. So just keep an eye on the, the audio levels too, Ben. But it's going to be a little difficult for you to hear. I will explain everything. It's not a long clip, but I will kind of explain it to you as we go on. But I want you to listen to this because the excuses from the school board president and why they can't allow this parent to quote something that is in the classroom is hysterical. Um, tonight, I'm going to give a sampling from three books that are in our libraries, the Fleming School and the Oakleaf School. And then we can discuss, you can discuss, the process by which these books get on the shelves. Because there's a Clay County employee that got paid to put this book, Lucky, by Alice Sabot. I'm going to read things. If there's children watching, cover their ears. He began to need I'm going to stop you right there, sir. I'm going to stop you right there. Turn the microphone off. Turn off his microphone, please. I've told you I'm stopping you. The reason I'm stopping you is because these meetings are, if you'll hush your mouth for a minute and listen, instead of just talking, you may learn something. Well, the problem is, sir, is these meetings are broadcast. There are people at home that are watching it on YouTube. There are people that are watching it on community television. Are you going to listen or are you going to run your mouth? And you'll get it back. But you'll get it back to talk about something besides reading pornography into a, a public. He called it pornography. Set. Well, let me explain something to you. There are federal and state laws that prohibit you from saying the things that you're getting ready to say on television. There are state laws that prohibit and federal communications laws that prohibit you from publishing these things to a child. You don't have the you don't have the ability at this point to determine who's watching the television show, and for you to say everybody cover your ears just doesn't cut it. If you go to if if you go to television and you look before anything that comes on that's offensive, they have it graded as R, NC seventeen, PG or G, or X. Now. The, the school board if, president is—he has no idea how much he's clowning himself. Put something on the television without that. You are violating state and federal law. Number one. Number two. If you'll hush a minute and listen, you'll learn something. Okay. There are ways for you to have this removed from the library and to have it reviewed. All right. So you'll learn something. Uh, there's uh, there's a bunch of laws against reading pornography to children. You're not allowed to read pornography to children, okay? Uh, we're being broadcast on TV. You can't read pornography to children. It violates the law. It's a, it's a decency standard thing. You have no idea of knowing if kids are watching this on public broadcasting or not. Therefore, it's illegal for you to read pornography to these kids. Now, of course, the dad's point is these three books, you just called them pornography. You allow them in the schools. You allow access to the children. You are probably responsible for approving those books being brought into the school where you admit it's pornography. So the school board president has just admitted that this is pornography. It is in the schools, and he's admitted that it's indecent. It may violate federal law to show this type of material to kids, which is the entire point of what the dad was saying. 
and again, I, you know, school board president's an idiot. If you just keep your mouth shut, you might learn something. I mean, the, the fart sniffing ego of that idiot and the fact that, for the love of God, give me a man smart enough to know he's making a fool of himself. This guy is not bright enough to have any idea that he just clowned himself all over the world. Now, Libs of TikTok picked up this video, but this school board president has just admitted that there is pornography that is inappropriate for children to see or hear in the schools that he is responsible for. And what did he do? He told the parent, there's ways for you to remove the pornography that's illegal to show children from our school libraries. There's a way for you to do that on your own separate from here. That's the school board's job. Why did the school board allow pornography into the, into the school to begin with? Why isn't the school board whose responsibility it is to control what materials are available to students at their schools taking active steps to remove the thing that you admit is pornography away from the classroom? How about that? But, of course, he's just concerned with the dad who's making that point off microphone. If you just keep your mouth shut, you might learn something. No, if you kept your mouth shut, you might realize that you just admitted that you were breaking federal and state law by exposing children to what you call pornography. And you're saying that it would be illegal for him to do it because it is pornography and because children might hear it while simultaneously exonerating yourself of having same pornography, the same pornography that you called. No, I didn't call it. I don't even know what was in the, in the books the guy was going to read. I don't know what he said because they cut him off before he actually said it. But the school board president called it pornography. He said it was pornography. He said it was illegal for that to, to be seen and heard by children. So why is it in his schools? And that's what the dad was trying to say off microphone, but the school board president wouldn't let him say it. And this, so this guy's getting blown up, obviously, all over the country now because he's just admitted that he allows pornography in public schools and that kids are not supposed to see it. And he doesn't care. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
And quote somebody on the live stream, that is a fart sniffer first class right there. 100%. Like, when, when, you, when you do not, your own ego does not allow you to realize that you've just admitted that you allow pornography in the classroom and it's illegal for kids to see it, yet you keep it in the classroom, you are an extra special fart sniffer at that point in time. Now, let's bring this back somewhat locally. A substitute teacher has posted a photo of a lawmaker and their young child and then uh, talked about that child being raped. This is nice. A substitute teacher for the states of Indiana and Illinois posted a picture of a very young child of Indiana State Representative on social media while describing the child being raped. The post was being used as an argument against abortion restrictions. Okay, because this is all because of that 10-year-old, which, um, by the way, got a little bit of an update on that as well. That 10-year-old rape story, which ended up getting confirmed, but now Todd Rokita is involved, our attorney general. So we'll, we'll get into that here in just a second as well. So, Brandon Tomeo? made a post on Twitter earlier this week. In the post, Tomeo used a close-up picture of a very young girl being held by her lawmaker father in response to another disgusting post made by the Indiana Democratic Party. Quote, imagine if someone raped your daughter and now she can't get an abortion because you didn't support that. Your daughter will have to raise a rapist child, your grandchild, Tomeo posted. Okay, now again, um, the Indiana Democratic Party, they're posting stuff that isn't true. Uh, AOCs posting stuff that isn't true. People are arguing the Roe v. Wade thing and, and for these state statutes, they're posting things that are not true. Okay, You're not going to be denied health care with an adopted pre- pregnancy. In uh, the case with the 10-year-old who came from Ohio and came over into Indianapolis and got the abortion in Indianapolis and the Indiana abortion doctor appears to have broken the law again, um, that was all under the guise that it would be illegal to get an abortion in Ohio when a 10-year-old had been raped and was impregnated by their at- uh, attacker. Except it's not illegal in Ohio. There is a legal statute that would have protected an abortion for that child. And that is the case for most states. Okay, But the Democrats are now running around and and they're conflating all of these issues and making it seem like you won't have any access to any of this. Uh, But it's, it's obviously not accurate. So this substitute teacher who's licensed in Indiana and has recently taught, at least in Hammond, has gone out there and is now posting pictures of lawmakers' children and talking about hypothetical situations where they would be raped. And there isn't even a statute in Indiana that would allow that to uh, to happen anyway. So it doesn't make any sense, but they don't care about that. They don't care about facts. They don't care about logic. They just care about, you know, rape fantasies, which is exactly what that is. It's a rape fantasy. So, well, you didn't want to rape the child. That's not what I'm referring to. It's a rape fantasy. You posted it with the express intent of conveying the the rape of that child to that lawmaker and use that child's image in order to push that fantasy so you can make a political point. That's what it is. You got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
A little breaking news here. Ivana Trump has passed away, the first wife of Donald Trump. Uh, He did post on Truth Social. He says, I'm very saddened to inform all of those that loved her, of which there are many, that Ivana Trump has passed away at her home in New York City. She was a wonderful, beautiful, and amazing woman who led a great and inspirational life. Her pride and joy were her three children, Donald Jr., Ivanka, and Eric. She was so proud of them, as we are all so proud of her. Rest in peace, Ivana. Uh, It appears to be natural causes, but, uh, you know, they will probably go through and and confirm that. She was 73 years old. Uh, But again, this uh, just breaking this afternoon, the the first wife of former President Donald Trump, Ivana Trump, has passed away at her home in New York City. Okay, I wanted to get into this. Go and cue my audio, please, because the the story that involves this 10-year-old uh, who was the rape victim, which kind of led to the last story where, you know, pro-abortion activists are posting to lawmakers who want to restrict abortions or ban abortions outright, um, with the exception of certain circumstances, of course, that they're now attacking them because of this story. Now, first of all, the the idea that pregnancy from rape is commonplace is nonsense. It isn't. Uh, it is extremely rare. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It certainly happened in this case, and it's involving obviously a ten-year-old child who apparently was impregnated at nine. Okay, which is not something that is physiologically possible for most people anyway. But this isn't something that is commonplace. Uh, if you look at the number of of abortions as a result of uh, you know rape, incest. Uh, the life of the mother, less than 1% of all abortions performed are in any of those categories. It is extremely, extremely rare for this to happen. But with that said, it does happen. So the the story was repeated by Biden and numerous other people. Basically, you had an Indianapolis abortion doctor say that I had a 10-year-old rape victim who had to leave Ohio and come to Indiana to get an abortion because Ohio wouldn't allow that to happen. Now, She's the only one that knew anything about this story. Nobody else had ever corroborated it. The Washington Post and and every media outlet that I could think of went down the rabbit hole trying to find any information on this. Nobody had any information on this story. Nobody could corroborate it. It appeared to be a fake story. So then you had the attorney general for the state of Ohio. He came on. He's like, there is nothing in any official record that says this happened. We have tried to find any information about this. That None of it seems to exist. And we can't find any, any corroborating evidence of what she is saying. So he also pointed out that Ohio statutes would allow a 10-year-old rape victim to have an abortion. That you wouldn't need to go to the state of Indiana to do that. The other thing that was brought up is that Indiana has a reporting requirement where you, if you're under the age of, I believe it's 16, if you are the victim of a sexual assault and an an abortion needs to be done as a result of that, that has to be reported to the state of Indiana. You're not allowed to keep that secret. Now, why this is so interesting is that if Dr. Caitlin Bernard did perform this abortion, remember, we didn't have confirmation until the middle of the show yesterday that this actually happened. If she did perform this abortion then she would have been required to report it. And it didn't appear that she had reported it, which would mean that she could have potentially broken Indiana law as well if she didn't report it. Now, what makes that interesting is that there's an old story from Indiana Right to Life back in 2018 where her name was brought up with a list of other abortion doctors in the state of Indiana 
who had already broken the law by not reporting underage abortions. And they're required to report those to the state of Indiana. So she has already been accused previously of not adhering to the law when it comes to abortion procedures. And here she is saying that I have this story where somebody had to escape Ohio to come to Indiana to have an abortion because they're a rape victim. They wouldn't have needed to escape Ohio. Now, maybe the, the, the mother of this girl misinterpreted the law or whatever, but it wasn't necessary for her to come to Indiana. And then if it did happen, then Dr. Caitlin Bernard is required by law to report it because we are talking about a 10-year-old rape victim who's now had to have an abortion. Well, enter Todd Rokita, the Indiana Attorney General. Todd Rokita, we've talked to you many times. Uh, Todd Rokita you know, said, hey, uh, we're going to investigate this because if she didn't report it, there doesn't appear to be any evidence that, that Caitlin Bernard reported it. Then she broke the lock. So, again, cue my audio. This is Todd Rokita on with Jesse Waters and Fox News. Thanks for having me on, but I shouldn't be here, right? I mean, first of all, uh, this is an illegal immigration issue because likely of Biden's lawlessness at the border and everything going on down there. That's why Indiana, as a non-border state, has actually filed several independent lawsuits on that. Then we have the rape, and then we have this uh, abortion activist acting as a doctor with a history of failing to report. So we're gathering the information, we're gathering the evidence as we speak, and we're going to fight this uh, to the end, uh, including looking at her licensure uh, if she failed to report. And in Indiana, it's a crime uh, for, uh, to not report, to intentionally not report. So what kind of a crime is it to not report a child rape to state authorities? And, and then tell us why. It's a crime not to report. Well, of course, because it's, this is a child and there's a strong public interest in understanding, you know, if someone under the age of 16 or under the age of 18 or really any woman is be, is having an abortion in our state. And then if a child's being sexually abused, of course, uh, parents need to know, authorities need to know, public policy experts need to know. We all need to know as citizens in a free republic so we can stop this. This is a horrible, horrible scene caused Man, caused by Marxists and socialists and those in the White House who don't who want lawlessness at the border. And then this girl was politicized, politicized for the gain of killing more babies. Right. That was the goal. And this abortion activist is out there front and center. Uh, the lamestream media, the fake news is right behind it. And unfortunately, in Indiana, uh, the paper of record is fake news. And, and they were right there jumping in on all this, thinking that it was going to be great for their abortionist movement when this girl has been uh, so brutalized. It really is a tragedy. Thanks for coming on. And please keep us posted on what's going on with this abortion doctor and whether or not she's going to face any sort of scrutiny. I'm not letting it go. All right. All right. So that's the Attorney General, Todd Rokita. Now, a lot of people have some questions about the... Again, you go back to the, the Ohio attorney general. He's got no information. He's like, we've, we've turned over a bunch of stones here. We can't even find any evidence of this case. Then we end up, as the case gets blown up, and everybody's like, uh, we don't think this is real. The day after the entire legacy media industrial complex goes into it and says, we can't corroborate what this woman is saying at all. We can't find any record of this. The day after that, suddenly there's an arrest. And a lot of people have some questions about that. But... There's also a, a paper trail where the mom reported it to the authorities, I think in Franklin County, Ohio, and, and you know, nobody could find that evidence until like the day after everybody's like, we don't think that this is a real story.
But beyond that, if this doctor, if this doctor, once again, we are now four years after the last report about this doctor not reporting underage abortions. If this doctor did perform this abortion, if this case is playing out the way that we're, we're now learning that it's playing out, if she failed to report again, she should lose her license because this is a repeat offender now. And, you know, she's an activist and she'll probably be able to get her license somewhere else. You know, she'll be able to go to California or whatever, and they'll give her a license because they hand them out like uh, like chiclets over there. So this is this is obviously egregious. Now, there's going to be a lot of people who potentially disagree with that because they just, you know, support baby death and they want all abortion doctors to be, you know, lionized and have statues in public square. But this is a woman who is not adhering to the law. She's actively breaking the law if, in fact, this case uh, holds up the way that it's being reported right now. So, and, and I have to say that about it because... We all knew what the case was before the middle of the show yesterday. <laughs> so who knows what's going to develop now? If we end up finding out that she did report it and that there's just no record of it somewhere, we got to figure out where that record is going and what's happening there too. Uh, so I'm just I'm throwing some caveats in there just in case because this has already been a very odd and very strange story to begin with. But the attorney general is in on this now and uh, he is investigating because if she did not file that, then they're certainly going to be looking at some ramifications. But I need everybody to understand, this is not the first time that Dr. Caitlin Bernard has been accused of this. She's been accused of it many times before. And the last time a published report with her name in it for not reporting these these underage abortions um, was in 2018. We went over that yesterday, and it was a story that we actually had covered on the show and was able to find in the archives. So this is... Um, this is not over yet. This is going to continue to be a story going forward. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
All right, cue the audio. I, I'm going to provide this without commentary. Just to keep alive the truth and honor of the Holocaust, horror of the Holocaust. Okay, moving on. There is strong support for secession in Texas and other states, according to Survey USA polling this week. Uh oh. Not good. Texas has always had a strong independent spirit. There's always been a free Texas movement in Texas, but it's a lot higher than it usually is. And there's other states like Louisiana that are actually strongly starting to veer towards secession. Now, do I think that any of them are actually going to secede? No, I don't. I think it's far more likely that we're going to see a reshuffling of the geography of states. There are, uh, there's a movement in many, many states. West Virginia is making their, their interest well-known uh, with this particular subject. There are many states out there that are offering to take bordering counties that are ideologically like-minded from other states who are ideologically not aligned with those particular counties. And West Virginia has made that offer to neighboring states. Like, look, we'll take them. Uh, They don't want to be a part of your state anymore. Your state doesn't like their politics. We'll take them. They can be a part of our state, and then you guys can do what you want to do. So I think that maybe something like that could be potential uh, in the future, some kind of a realignment of the geography. As long as you've got states willing to let real estate go and whatever resources are there. And we talk about California a lot and, you know, breaking up California and that sort of thing. And a lot of people are saying that's a Democrat plot and what have you. Look, it's going to get um, it's going to get California some benefits, but it's also going to benefit the new states, if you will. Or if those if those states don't become new states, those states would you know join neighboring states, which would not really benefit a lot of those rural California areas. But a buddy of mine is in California. He's a he's a you know, a radio guy in California. And I was talking to him about this a couple of months ago and he was in town. And he was saying that the state of California does not like the farm country. And it's not just a political thing. Like they don't want there to be farmers. They don't want there to be farming there. They're not interested in it. And I thought that that was a very interesting take on California because I think most of us probably assume that California doesn't want to lose the agriculture. They don't want to lose, you know, the money that agriculture brings to the state. And they already dominate those areas anyway, so you can just keep them under your thumb and and what have you. But he doesn't believe that that's what's going on. And and he's up in that area, so he does news media up in that area. And he's like, no, the big cities in California and the government in California – they want like all of these farmers and the ag industry gone. They don't want them in the state anymore. They want them out. And the only thing that I could think of is I suppose that that is a, a climate issue. Remember, climate alarm is hate livestock. They don't like farming. They hate that stuff. It has to be done, you know, in a small little backyard sort of a farm, not in a big commercial farm. So I think that could be what's motivating it. But I thought that that was a very interesting observation on his half, uh, on his behalf when I was talking to him about this. I was like, they, they, so do they really want it gone or they just want to like kind of control those people because they're more red? And he goes, no, they want them gone. They want them out of the state. They're trying to drive farming out of the state of California because the state of California does not want it around. I'm like, that's interesting. 
because I'm willing to bet there's a lot of other states out there that'd be happy to have that ag business. Uh, but nonetheless, there are a lot of places in the country where you have this angst. And we we frequently talk about California being split up. We we talk about certain counties maybe leaving one state, joining another state, that sort of thing. You don't hear a lot about independence overall. But this poll is pretty darned intriguing. A majority of people in Texas and half of the people in Louisiana want their states to peacefully break off from the United States government and be independent. Um, the question was actually formed as, would you want to break away peacefully with other states? So to like form a, like maybe a new country uh, as opposed to just your state being its own independent country. And a majority of people in Texas, according to this survey's USA poll, said, yeah. Now, there's going to be polls that will probably show different results. Uh, Survey USA does a pretty decent job when they do these things. Their questioning is is pretty good, and they ask a lot of questions, a lot of questions. Um, and this, by the way, this doesn't really seem, the Texas situation anyway, doesn't really seem to be motivated by, by left-right politics because they asked if they were okay being a part of a country where, you know, other parts of the country voted blue, and most Texans said, yeah. So this just appears to be Texas being Texas, and once again, that independent spirit that Texas has always had. It could just be one of those types of things where, yeah, the political aspect is there, but that's really an underlying issue for them. It's more that Texans just want to be their own country again. Um, And again, it's a majority. So pretty interesting stuff. Now, Survey USA stated that each of the six southern surveys excuse me, Southern state surveys began with respondents being asked if they would support their state peacefully becoming an independent country along with other conservative states. While a majority of Texans liked the idea, 60, 60% said yes. 60%. 32, 32% of, of those yes votes are like, definitely yes. So there's at least a third of Texas, according to the survey, a third of Texas that is enthusiastically pro-independence. Meanwhile, a majority of Texans are like, yeah, we want to be our own country. But, you know, the other ones are like, yeah, I would like it, but if it's going to be too hard, maybe not. The results in other states are less positive. Louisianians, um, Louisianans, excuse me, are evenly split. 50% say yes, 49% say no. I think that's interesting because Louisiana is a red state run by a blue city. <laughs> Really, two blue cities, but in the other four states, majorities opposed with a no and a definite no, lead leading by six points in Alabama, eight points in Mississippi, and ten points in Florida, thirteen points in South Carolina. So, what that means is in Alabama, you still got forty-four percent that are like, "Yeah, we'd consider leaving." Mississippi, a little bit less than that. Florida, a little bit less than that. South Carolina's probably not really close, but I mean, they're all within 13 or so points, which that's probably too close for comfort for most people. So, pretty interesting polling coming out of uh, Surveys USA on this. But, you know, a majority of Texans, 60%, like, yep, we want to be independent. We don't want to be a part of the United States anymore. It'd be interesting to see if that. If that holds, if, uh, you know, there is any kind of movement on that front going forward, 
you know, we still got other other territories out there that go back and forth on statehood and that sort of thing. So um, pretty interesting to see that. But I, I don't I don't think this is necessarily really likely. But I do think that there's a possibility as the, the movement gains some momentum for there to be a redrawing of state lines with absorbing certain counties and that sort of thing, which um, I don't think we're at that point yet. But in the future, it would probably be more commonplace than something like this. So it'll be interesting to see if the union survives, guys. I'll be honest with you. And it may be one of those things where maybe it isn't, you know, a, a, a war. Maybe we get to a point where finally we start we start seeing states, you know, peacefully say, look, we would we appreciate the memories and everything, but uh, give us a sweatshirt back. We'd like to go. It'll be interesting to see if that happens. It's not near future stuff, but down the line. MNC News Time is 431. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime.
Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Um, already had some people call in wanting to talk about secession. Today's Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday, though. Open lines. You get to call about any old thing that you want. You want to bring that up tomorrow? Tomorrow is the perfect opportunity to have that discussion. I have a lot to say about secession. We've talked about it a, a bunch on the show in the past, and, and I've even done special shows um, before I came to this market talking about it. Because it does, it, it kind of, you know, it, it rears its ugly head every now and then. And it's always, Texas is always in the picture because Texas is the most pro-independence population in the country. And there's really only a few states that could go independent. You know, if they really wanted to, they could go independent and thrive. Uh, Texas is obviously one of them. California could probably do it um, as long as they got their spending and their money situation under control. They have the resources. Let me let me rephrase it. California is not capable of being independent now, but they have the resources to do it if they were run by the right people. Okay, Put it that way. Florida could be independent, but there aren't a lot of places that could actually be independent. Most places are pretty dependent upon the union, uh, but there's a few that are not. And pretty interesting to see the polling kind of shifting. And, you know, as things are good, the polling tends to calm down a little bit. You know, when there's there's good success and, and prosperity in the country, that it's not always a factor. But in Texas, there's always there's always a large contingent of Texans who are like, yeah, we're good being on our own. Like, we don't really consider the rest of you us anyway. So <laughs> pretty Pretty interesting to see that, but 60% is a large number. That's a large number of the population who are pro-secession. So it'll be interesting to, to see how that shakes out in the near future. Uh, all right, so I got a text message in the middle of the show yesterday. And in the middle of that show, somebody sent me a message that goes, I'm hearing from everybody I know that, that there's going to be a strike with the railroads. And this particular person has connections to that, that uh, industry. Uh, we've... I don't know. Has this been getting a lot of attention? You've been paying attention to the news, recording news, like the railroad. Like we're we're at the deadline for a strike here. And, you know, it, it was a bigger story when I was on vacation. I think there were some people who kind of covered it, but I don't know that this has really been picking up steam. We've got a, a major supply chain issue. We've still got 120 plus ships off of the coasts that are just hanging out with 40 plus billion dollars in in product that can't get into the country. We've got Biden getting rid of Chinese tariffs on nonsensical, stupid stuff, but not getting rid of the tariff that actually is um, a major component of our supply chain problems. You've got a transportation secretary who's not making phone calls to Gavin Newsom in California and going, dude, allow older trucks into your state until we get this under control. Stop being an idiot because he won't, he won't do that. So you've got a major supply chain problem that is still an issue. To where it, it didn't used to be a problem that if there was a peanut butter recall that you ran out of peanut butter, right? You're running out of peanut butter. John, did John have a hissy fit about this two weeks ago? He had a hissy fit. Our program director rarely has a hissy fit. He had an actual, like, Karen hissy fit, okay? Like, you could tell in that moment that John Zimney lives in Granger, Indiana, and gets butt hurt about the smallest thing. Like it was, he was very angry about his peanut butter. Now he's he's pretty strict about his diet. I think his peanut butter is his cheat. <laughs> so I think that's I think that's what motivated it. And I'm like, dude, just you know, because it's Skippy. I think that is is it Skippy or Jeff? I don't know. Who cares? Whatever. 
And I'm like, dude, just get Peter Pan. It's better anyway. And he lost it. He lost it. I mean, actual anger came out of his his mouth. I mean, it was it was really funny for me. I wish I was recording the entire thing. But, you know, I was in the store today, and I'm picking up a couple of supplies. I do, I do like a grocery shopping thing for in the studio uh, about once a month. And so I just picked up some things, so I have some stuff here. And there's a big old giant sign that's like, look, peanut butter is going to suck because of this recall, so get it while you can. That's essentially what the sign said. I'm not quoting it verbatim. And we never had that problem before. Like one brand would disappear and you just load it up with the other brand. We're just, we are struggling right now for the basics and we haven't even hit the bad part. Uh, a lot of the, the food expert type people who monitor this stuff. And we had Michael Yawn on the program a few months ago and he predicted all of this before it happened. Um, he was, he was telling, he, he's telling people now that we're like three weeks away from it getting really ugly. And there's most places in the United States when we find, you'll be able to find food. You're not going to starve to death. But you're going to start having to make some choices about what you actually bring into the house. So poor John Zimney is not going to get the peanut butter that he wants, but he'll get peanut butter. It just won't be what he likes. Um, perhaps you'll be able to get you know a certain type of something, but maybe it's going to be the store brand and maybe not the name brand. You know, you're going to run into some weird things like that. So now you throw in that, though. With everything we've already got, you throw in there a railroad strike. You might be able to get to work on time more per week, but you're going to have very big issues finding supplies. So I got this text message yesterday, and they're like, everybody I'm talking to is like, strike. It's happening. Railway workers are to stage a one-day strike on the 27th of July as part of an ongoing dispute over pay, jobs, and conditions, according to the union. It comes after thousands of train operators and network rail uh, workers walked out during national strike action in June. These strikes caused disruption for millions of commuters earlier this week. Network rail made workers a fresh pay offer. It said was worth more than 5%, but the offer depended on workers accepting modernizing reforms. Whatever that means. Okay. Uh, the leaders rejected the new offer from the, the network rail and described it as paltry. The union also said that it would consult other unions with mandates for strike action in the coming days. Uh, union General Secretary Mick Lynch said that network rail's offer would mean a real terms pay cut for workers and RMT members would have to agree to drastic changes in their working lives. Hey, um, that's never easy to sell for anybody. The train operating companies remain stubborn and are refusing to make any new offer, which deals with job security and pay. He added, uh, he said the dispute will continue for as long as it takes until we get negotiated settlement. But network rail chief executive, Andrew Haynes said that the union announcement was incredibly frustrating, even more so given the union hadn't put the latest pay offer to members. So this is, this is all standard when there's a union dispute with a company, by the way. Union takes a position. They don't uh, necessarily talk to the workers about it, and the company complains about it, that sort of thing. And, you know, for the union, they probably already had these meetings, and the workers were like, we're not going to accept this, that, that. And so when it comes to the union, and it's it's basically those things, the union just automatically rejects it because they've already had that discussion. So, and, and it operates differently with every every union but this is typically what you see in the public relations war of it which is 
they didn't offer us what we were asking for, and they're asking us to make too many concessions. And then the company comes back and goes, well, you didn't even ask your, your members if they liked the deal or not. So Mr. Haynes added that the strikes have clearly been designed to disrupt spectators heading to the ongoing or the opening of the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham on the 28th of July, an event of huge national significance. He added that the network rail could only fund the increase in pay from its own budgets, and it would only have enough money to do that by modernizing working practices. We urge the RMT to call this action off, get back around the table with us, and show some willingness to compromise. Uh, Well, it's not looking good. So on the 27th of July, there's going to be a one-day bleep you uh, to the rail company. And we, you know, you're starting to see the articles now that like, hey, deadline is looming and Biden hasn't really said much. Has Pete Buttigieg said anything about this? Because every time I see Pete Buttigieg on TV, he's talking about the airlines and how the airlines should be given cash refunds. I don't know that he's, has he mentioned this at all? Because this is a problem. <laughs> like, this is kind of a big deal. So I, you know, is it going to affect all rail? No, but you're in the, and here's the thing too. You're in the middle of a, of a supply chain issue. You can apply maximum pressure on behalf of your union members. Now there's going to be some that probably choose to do that. I'm not accusing this union of doing that. I don't know enough about the issue, but you see this frequently. If there is the ability to apply pressure, then you apply pressure. We saw this a lot during COVID. We're going to see it now through this, but Um, It's not looking good. Pay attention to this one. This one is not looking good right now. Uh, They are very far away from each other uh, when it comes to the negotiations. I have to see if I can get somebody on from uh, from each side. I want to know what these these changes in their work lives and things like that are supposed to look like because I'm very interested in seeing what the the rail company is asking them to change and, and to modernize. Uh, want to see what that is just because I'm a cynic and I've been doing this too long. So we'll, um, we'll see if we can get somebody on. I don't know that they're going to much care about coming on a local show here, which doesn't really necessarily affect all of this, but uh, might be a little interesting to kind of figure out what's going on here, but pay attention to the story because this is a doozy and it's not getting a lot of attention right now. Got more coming up. News talk 95, three Michiana's news channel.
I'm having a week, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is my first week back, and I am just... I'm, I'm having... There seems to be something every single day that I'm really screwing up on. So I had two articles open, because I had a whole supply chain uh, thread open up in my tabs. I had two articles on railroad strikes opened up. One was for the United States. One was for the United Kingdom. I meant to put the one in the United States forward and then tell you that there's one happening in the United Kingdom as well. And I just went back during the commercial break to do that. And I put the UK one in front of the US one by mistake. And I read you the stuff from the UK strike. So the UK strike is happening on the 27th. The American strike is happening on the 18th. It's four days away. So it's much worse. So that's, I screwed up on that. I apologize. See CNN, you can do that. You can, you can apologize for making mistakes. It's okay. You're, you're allowed to do that. I don't think that my audience hates me for doing it. They're making fun of me on my Discord server right now, but that's okay. You, <laughs> that's, that's entirely my fault. Usually I color coordinate these things, and I didn't do it. So the labor contract in the United States for railroad workers is not in effect. Like That's why they blocked you know some of the intersections and things like that. So... We are, we're looking at four days now. Four days is when the strike will happen if this thing doesn't get dealt with. Now, you got your supply chain issues for all of your consumer products and everything else, but as farmers have been wonderfully telling me over the past several weeks, there's a real issue with getting feed, fertilizer, and all of this stuff. That's stuff that goes by rail. And if they don't get that, then farms don't produce what they normally produce, and then you start having more and more issues at the grocery store and things of that nature, aside from, like, your trinkets and whatnot that you want to order. I think it's, uh, I don't know if it was a coinkadink or what. It was it, Amazon Day was just on the 12th and the 13th. It ended yesterday. So they, they slipped it in, like, right before, like, right before a lot of this stuff really goes down. So, again, there is... To reiterate the point that I was going to make, even though I screwed up the order in which those two stories were supposed to be conveyed to the rest of you, railroad strike in the United States on the 18th that they don't resolve anything, but it's not just the U.S. and the U.K., they're going to have a strike on the 27th. So we're starting to see this all around, and the U.S. and the U.K. have a, a very interesting relationship when it comes to certain supplies, so our supplies from the U.K. will be affected and any supplies the UK gets from the US will also be affected. So we're looking at two potential major issues with the supply chain in the West here. Uh, union officials, of course, in the US say that they don't want to go on strike, but they're being forced to do so uh, in an effort to keep wages and benefits up to snuff, especially in the current inflationary and staff shortage environment. According to reports, rail unions have been working without a contract since July 1st of 2019. After failing to reach an agreement about one through the National Mediation Board, both sides were told to take a 30-day cooling-off period. That period prevents unions from striking and railroads from locking out their workers while negotiations continue. And that period also ends uh, in less than a week. So we're talking about four days away. Um, now, this also includes the Sheet Metal Air Rail Transportation Union, the SMART Union. And the SMART Union has publicly said, we're going to go on strike if we don't have a deal. So things are not looking great. So it's not the 27th of July. It's the 18th of July. My apologies. I made that mistake. Uh, but things are not looking good at all. So, again, pay attention to the rail strike story because it is not, it is, it's not a hunky-dory situation in this country right now. It's just not. Um, there is a company in Texas that is 
taking a different approach after Roe v. Wade than a lot of other companies were. Now, we came on the air and we were highlighting how many companies were going out there and saying, hey, we'll pay you uh, to fly to another state and get an abortion. Now, none of those companies offered to just pay for contraceptives, which are cheaper. They, they didn't offer any of that. They didn't offer adoption support. They didn't offer that stuff. Um, they didn't, didn't really step up with child care or anything of that nature. And some of that stuff is more expensive than just paying for an abortion. Some of that stuff is obviously a lot more affordable. So it's pretty interesting that they just wouldn't do it. And the answer is very simple. They don't want you to go home from work. They don't want you to go on maternity leave. They don't want you to have a kid. That negatively impacts the profitability of the company. Your production goes down, their expenses go up, and they don't like that. So it's cheaper and it's a better deal for them to ship you across state lines to get an abortion. Well, a Texas company is offering employees $7,500 to choose adoption instead of abortion. Yet another Texas-based company is reaching the reacting to the Roe v. Wade being overturned by offering employees money to choose adoption rather than abortion, according to Newsweek. Peter Rex is the founder and CEO of Rex, a tech company uh, oriented towards the real estate industry. He argues that businesses should invest in adoption for their best interests. Rex slams big companies that brag about offering abortion tourism, which means paying for their employees to travel to other states to get abortions if the procedure becomes illegal in their home state. And he says this is just good business. They're ignoring the possibility that many employees may simply need a little help and more help to carry their baby to term. And you've got an opportunity to help those employees out. So they're saying, look, we'll give you up to $7,500 to not kill your child if you are in this situation. Dramatically different than what a lot of these other companies are offering. And it's also a way to, to invest in your people as opposed to just using your people as your worker bees. Which I think it says an awful lot about the character of that company, so good for them. Apparently there's another company in Texas that have done that that I hadn't heard about. But nice to see some companies actually stepping up and saying, if you choose adoption, we're going to support you. That way you can do whatever is, is your best moral choice. Got more coming up, Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Uh, now that I've sufficiently scared all of you about your uh, food situation. Some of you are just getting in the car and you're going, Casey, what's going on? Am I not going to be able to eat? Well, too bad. You should have been here. Should have been here earlier. Now you don't know. So you're not going to know when you're going to start starving to death because you won't be able to get food. Sorry. You have to go back and watch the live stream, I guess. Uh, the good news is, is that you rarely get an opportunity to make fun of me for making a mistake, but I made a boo-boo uh, in the last hour. So you'll be able to go ahead and joke about that for a while. And let's see. Wyoming. Let's go to Wyoming. I, I find everything about Liz Cheney is hysterical. And I don't know if you guys noticed this. Maybe it was just the lighting. But I am convinced that her hair is naturally morphing into Karen Blue. And if you look at Liz Cheney yesterday, maybe it was the day before, this week, whatever, at the uh, the hearing, her hair, I'm telling you, it went from, like, yellow to white, and now it's almost like a blue. And so she's, like, turning into one of those, those blue-haired harpies that is out there. So what's interesting is that people are, again, going to her state, and they're like, what is, what do you all think of Liz Cheney? She's got no campaign donations from the state of Wyoming. All of her money is coming from outside of the state, most of it from Virginia. So there's a, there's a big external money factor on her reelection bid right now. She's way down in the polls. Uh, that can change, okay? But she's way down in the polls against her primary opponent. And a lot of people are just going to Wyoming and saying, okay, what do you actually think about this? Because the rest of the country is talking about it, but what do you in Wyoming actually think about this? Because she appears to be completely out of lockstep with the people of Wyoming. But is she? It's a fair question. That's her constituency. They're more important to her than any of us are. So, headline news. Wyoming Republicans have apparently finally lost all hope in Representative Liz Cheney. They've concluded that she doesn't have a chance against Trump-endorsed candidate Harriet Hagman. Is it Hagman or Hagman? I don't know which one it is. Um, in the election on August 16th in the primary. Down big in the polls, Wyoming voters have realized that Cheney cares more about spending time during the campaign season with her fellow leftists. I, look, I don't know that I would call her a leftist, but she's a swamp dweller. The whole Cheney family is a swamp dweller. The Bush family are swamp dwellers. The Clinton family are swamp dwellers. The, the Kennedys are swamp dwellers. I've been telling you this for, for you know, years. Um, and when a lot of people were talking about this with Trump, too, a lot of people were like, yeah, like the Trump dynasty. Like, you can have Eric and Ivana, or Ivanka, excuse me, sorry, Ivana passed away today. That was uh, breaking news this afternoon, so she's on my mind. Ivanka, uh, and then, of course, you've got Trump Jr., <clears throat> um, they all have political chops, every one of them. Uh, Yvonne, Ivanka is not as far to the right as her brothers are, but she's she would be like the equivalent of Tulsi Gabbard to the right as Tulsi Gabbard is to the left. Okay, So there's that. She'll be appealing to moderates, there's no doubt. <clears throat> um, so there's a lot of people who are talking about that. And one of the things that I would always tell them is, no, no more dynasties. Like, we need to be done. We need to be done with dynasties. The political class is already trying to set themselves up as, a, as you know, monarchs. That's really what the Great Reset is about. That's really what, you know, the swamp is about. That's what the, the 
the fart sniffers that we refer to on the show, they're all about setting up a, a new form of the aristocracy. They don't like the idea of you being able to have a say in anything. So everything that they do now, policy-wise, is designed to take power away from you and give them power, to take money away from you and give them money, to give in, to take influence away from you and give it to them. Everything is designed for that. So we, we need to be very, very careful about that stuff. I'm not opposed to another Trump running for office. Um, I actually think that a couple of them have some really good chops. Let's be honest. It would be one of the best rides in the history of all political rides if Trump Jr. ran for office. And I think we all know that. I mean, he's just he's such a character and he's way more polished than his dad. So it would just be a lot of fun. He's vowed never to do it, um, although never say never. But he's you know, he just launched his new news platform and everything else. I don't think he's really interested in having to censor himself like he, he saw happen uh, with his dad. And, yeah, his dad did censor himself. But, you know, maybe Eric. Eric is the quiet, soft-spoken guy. Uh, I think he's got more appeal to the political right than, than Ivanka does. But, you know, we'll see. But dynasties have to stop. And the Cheneys are a dynasty. And they're swamp dwellers. That, that's where they're from. They're from the swamp. They lived in the swamp. She grew up in the swamp. She's not at all from Wyoming. Wyoming is like a place that maybe they had a vacation cabin at. Um, you know, a hunting lodge or whatever, and and that's, you know, what she was able to use to get elected. And I think people were fine with that because she pretended to be one of them. And it's no longer conducive for her to be one of them anymore, and, and now she's not really all that caring about it. And they've started to turn on her. While Cheney has spent most of her campaign season in Washington, D.C. with Representative Pelosi's uh, January 6th committee, a former Cheney donor, Nancy Donovan, who has given over 35 grand to Cheney's past campaigns, is now questioning her mental state. Oh, well, that's interesting. In an interview with the Financial Times, Donovan suggested that Cheney's strategy of going after Trump while being from the same political party as him was not a very smart idea. It's certainly not. Uh, there are a lot of, there's always going to be people within the party of a candidate who don't like that candidate. And there are people who don't like Trump for various reasons. Most people who don't like Trump don't like Trump for fake reasons that aren't real, but they've been told were real. That's what most people are with him. But there's always going to be people within your own party that don't like you. That's always going to happen. So you know, you're always going to have Republicans who don't like Trump. <clears throat> and for, for Cheney to really make this like her hill to die on is very bizarre and not at all politically expedient. It doesn't benefit her politically. It doesn't, it, there's no reason for it. And so a lot of people are wondering why she's doing it. She can not like Trump. She could behind the scenes actively work against him getting the nomination. She can endorse opponents if he chooses to run again. Why is she choosing to grandstand on this? That's the question that everybody in Wyoming seems to have. And, and of course, you and I have it as well. Is what's the, the reasoning behind all of this? Uh, let's see. Liz has broken a lot of people's trust, and and that is against the cowboy code. Is uh is what the um the chairwoman of the Teton County Republican Party, Mary Martin, said. Uh, Hageman, who leads the primary race by thirty points according to the latest poll, thirty points. Cheney is down thirty points in the primary. Said that Cheney betrayed the American people by participating in the Inquisition. 
and said that uh, the rhino doesn't represent Americans in her state. I don't think that there's any dispute that Liz Cheney does not represent the constituency of her state. Whether you like the woman or not, I don't think there's any dispute that she's clearly out of step with the people of Wyoming. They don't feel the way that she feels about Trump. They don't feel the way that she feels about the January 6th events. Uh, And it's just a bizarre sort of falling on her sword, you know, scenario that just does not really make a lot of sense. Some of the other Republicans who are on the committee are not running for re-election. Like, they don't care. (laughs) So it's not, for them, it's not really a big deal. But for her, it's a career killer. So where is she going to go after this? She's probably going to relocate back to the, the East, and then she'll run for office in the future in the East. That's what I'm assuming will happen. She'll pull, she'll pull a Hillary. She'll basically take a playbook right out of Hillary Clinton's playbook. So, I, I, But if you are curious at all about what was happening in Wyoming, they don't know either. But... This is either the most inaccurate polling system in the history of polling systems or Liz Cheney has got zero chance of reelection. And to be perfectly honest with you, it appears that she's not even trying to get reelected. So maybe she's going for, I don't know, a Biden administration post. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't it be something if before the election she gets appointed to some position in the Biden administration, or maybe even right after the election, but it could be something before the election, and then she just bow out. But I don't know. This is this is very very strange behavior for somebody who wants to have a political career. It would it would be like you know being in a blue state, like being in California, and then all of a sudden just going like full MAGA. Why would you ever do that? You're just it's political suicide. So I'm assuming that uh, she's going to go back. I think that her whole family like, were raised in Virginia, right? So I think she's probably going to go back east and then uh, don't quote me on the Virginia part, but I know they're from back east. She's probably going to go back there and maybe settle down for a couple of years and then run for office, I assume, probably in the Senate. Um, that would be my guess. Okay. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
Hey everybody, Casey Hendrickson here for R&B Car Company. If you're looking for a used vehicle, go to rbcarcompany.com. They got a massive selection, three dealerships in South Bend, Warsaw, Columbia City. And again, they will they will move those vehicles in between dealerships. So you can get vehicles from another dealership that's in their family to the dealership nearest you. So you can do that test drive and go buy that bad boy. Go to R&B Car Company. Again, they do great things over there. I Here's the thing. When you go to a, to buy a, a car, there's a lot of dealerships that will do nothing for your kids. So you're stuck there for, you know, sometimes eight, ten hours, and you've got your kids with you, and it becomes a miserable experience. Maybe you're calling friends and family, come pick the kids up, this whole thing, you're stressed. And some people might even theorize that that is a strategy to help with the sale. They don't do that at R&B Car Company. I had several members of the staff making sure that my kids had snacks, had movies on that they could watch, they were comfortable. Kids were happy and thrilled to be there, and we were able to close the deal with six test drives in less than two hours. It was that fast. Very easy, very painless, super friendly staff, didn't try to double-cross us or you know sneak anything into the deal. Just a very good experience. Go to rbcarcompany.com, and when you visit R&B Car Company, let them know that I sent you. Now, I was just telling people about what has happened with Facebook here recently. Uh, for those of you who do not know, I uh, was going through, I was actually trying to purge my Facebook page. Not delete it, but purge it and basically start over. Uh, Facebook is still censoring the page. They don't let anybody see anything. Over the, past, over the past seven days, as of yesterday, over the past seven days, they fed like almost none of my posts through to anybody's newsfeed. And you can see that in the the, uh, the insights. You can actually see that in their statistics. So they sent it to nobody. Um, right now, I am actually live streaming on Facebook, and I cannot find the video. Can't find it. On my own page, in my own account, I can't find it. It's not on, it's not on the news feed. It's, there's been zero comments. I've never done anything on Facebook that got zero comments. Even if it's some smart aleck, who hates my guts. It's never happened before. So I'm actually streaming to Facebook right now only because I kind of needed to with the software that I was using to, to stream to Rumble. Um, it's it's not there. There's no live stream anywhere. I have no idea where it is. Um, Facebook deleted over 2,000 followers this week from my page. Now, we've been down this road before. We watched Twitter take about 10,000 followers from me one time. So I, I've been joking that I have, like, about 11,000 uh, people who have liked my page on Facebook. That's now in the 8,000s, and the number of people who followed the page has been reduced by about 2,000 as well. So something's going on with Facebook. I think they probably saw that I was deleting posts and stuff like that, and they just started taking action, and I don't know. But it, I got midway through 2019, and they really won't let me delete any more posts. Like, it has become painstakingly difficult to delete posts. Now, if you delete posts um, with the software that they have, you can only do, like, 50 at a time. So, or you can, you know, risk somebody taking over your account and get one of those code snippets and paste it in the browser, which I don't recommend you do. Um, so I was going through and I was deleting, like, 50 posts at a time. And when I would try and scroll down and make it like 150 at a time, it wouldn't work. So you had to do it 50 at a time. So I was just deleting 50 at a time. I get the middle of, of 2019, 
and suddenly it will not let me select anymore and will not let me delete any more posts. And there are certain posts that it will not let me delete at all, certain images that they have, like, blocked. Like, I have no way of deleting certain images in the gallery on my Facebook page. Like, okay. Like, there's one with Amy Coney Barrett where uh, she was confirmed for the Supreme Court, and I said, happy birthday to Hillary Clinton. They will not let me delete that. <laughs> I'm trying, but they won't let me do it. Uh, so I was just going to try and get the page back to square zero, but it's not its not actually allowing me to do it. So I don't know what Facebook is doing. No idea. I don't care about Facebook. Um, I log in every day and I have like 10 new messages on Facebook. I'm never going to read them. I don't read the messages on Facebook. I have an auto message that goes to anybody who sends me a message that says, I'm not here. Like go to Truth Social. <laughs> so... If if you're trying to contact me on Facebook, it ain't gonna happen. So go to Truth Social or B Square. It's just not gonna it's not gonna work for you. So something weird is happening with Facebook. Now the reason I bring this up is because well it's odd, and I think that you all kind of enjoy watching Facebook do these sorts of things to me. But beyond that, there is a new law. Now this is not in the United States, but I want you to pay very very close attention to this because I expect this to come to the United States. In some way, shape, or form, okay? Maybe it's not a law, maybe it's a policy, what have you, but I want you to pay very close attention to this because a lot of what happens in the UK involving social media gets peddled in the United States. In another manifestation of the social credit score system, an amendment to a bill in the UK would mandate all social media users be given a truth score that predetermines the accuracy of their posts. Predetermines the accuracy of their posts. So if you have a low, air quote, low truth score, and you post something, like it'll put a score on there like this is an unreliable person, even if it's 100% correct. So you could get a, let's just say you have a low truth score of like 10%, okay? This person is only 10% trustworthy, but you post 2 plus 2 is 4 It'll say, eh, are you sure you want to listen to this person that 2 plus 2 is 4? Because their truth score is only 10%. That's the idea behind it. Now, we've actually seen real proposals in policy, and we've heard politicians talk about this, in the United States. So this is not a wholly unique idea to the rest of the world. This is something that we've actually seen get proposed in the U.S., but they're actually going for it in the U.K. Like something out of a dystopian fiction Penrose, the MP for Weston Super Mayor, whatever that is, I don't know, has a proposal that the government forces online platforms to maintain a score of how truthful a person is determined by their past statements. Now, again, this would obviously burden the social media company from vetting everything, and they're going to have to invest resources in vetting everything that somebody posts, which doesn't really make any sense. The amendment states that any users who have produced user-generated content, published news, or merely posted comments or reviews should be ranked by the platform in question with a score given uh, denoting their historic factual accuracy. And again, according to whom? <clears throat> so if I give you a factually accurate statement, which is currently, okay, the low estimates, the low estimates right now, According to official institutions, the low estimates have 
vaccine-related deaths in children at at least, right about 2,000 kids. Whereas just over 1,100 children have died with, not from, but with COVID throughout the entire pandemic. Now, that is a factually accurate statement. But do you think some 23-year-old dork on the other end of that is going to rate that as an accurate statement? Even though I can link directly to that information. The rules would apply to anybody who receives a certain threshold of online views with that figure to be determined by the UK communications regulator. So if you're, if you're famous or popular online, then they will go ahead and apply this to you. So if you have a certain number of followers, then they'll give you this rating. They won't give it for now to everybody. The new law would empower far-left social media platforms under threat of government fines to apply misinformation scores to the profiles of right-leaning users with the potential that such negative labels would then impact algorithmic performance. So the idea is not to inform other people that you have this low score, but the idea is to affect the algorithm in how your content is being pushed out to other people. Because if you were, if that label were simply there to try and control what people thought, then what would happen is, and we've already seen Facebook kind of fail with this, and they've actually abandoned some of their, their policies because of it. When you start getting people who have these low social scores, what's going to happen is everybody is going to look at a low score as being, okay, that's a determination that they're actually a good source of information. And so it's going to backfire. Facebook had this fact-checking system that they employed and the very first fact check they did was inaccurate and they never recovered from it. And what people actually learned is, is that anytime they would fact check something with the Facebook system, if they said it wasn't true, you automatically assume that it was. And then they started doing surveys and polls on it. And they found that people were actually seeking out content that Facebook had dinged as being misinformation because they just assumed that Facebook was lying to them. So that would happen here in the UK too, but it's supposed to be a, mostly a way to get the algorithm to automatically kind of figure out what type of, of push in the news feed they should be getting. So this is similar stuff has already been proposed here. This could very well end up being law in the United Kingdom, and I would not be surprised if it makes a revival here in the United States. Would not be surprised at all. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. MNC News Time is 532. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime.
Now, just since we were just talking about the UK, and I, I just wanted to bring this up because I thought it was really very interesting. I'm not going to play the audio, but I'll put it in the Daily Show prep for everybody. So Boris Johnson stepping down. He did that when I was on vacation because, again, everything happens when I'm on vacation. Now, the potential next prime minister is Jeremy Hunt. Now, Jeremy Hunt, um, there are people coming forward now and saying that Jeremy Hunt actively tried to remove children from the home who were COVID positive and isolate them away from the family. And he was told by some officials in government that, no, you can't do that. People won't people will not go for it. You're going to have a revolution on your hands. And he kept pushing and pushing and pushing and trying to get it done. So the potential new prime minister of the UK, Jeremy Hunt, actively tried to remove kids from their home if those kids were COVID positive and was furious that people were not willing to go along with it. Eventually, Boris Johnson, you know, put the kibosh on that whole thing. But this is the person who may very well be the next prime minister of the UK. So does it affect you all that much? No. But pay pay attention to that story too, because what happens in the leadership changes in the UK could be could be um, awful, absolutely awful. So here's what's funny. All right. So when I said the Facebook thing that I just said, I had some people reach out and go, "I went to your Facebook page and it came right up for me." The live stream was right there. I had some other people leave Rumble and go over to Facebook and check it, and they go, "We can't see your live stream at all." Then I had one person saying, "Okay, it's there, but you have to dig for it." So you've got three different people who just hopped over to look at Facebook just to see if there was a live stream on Facebook with three different answers. One person had popped right up. One person couldn't see it. The other person had to dig for it. I'm logged in as my own account as the guy live streaming to my own account. I cannot see the video. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't exist on my page on my end. Tell me there aren't some shenanigans happening right now. In the midst of over 2,000 people being removed from my page this week? Come on. <laughs> it's just absolutely bonkers. In the, in the meantime, though, we just found out Rumble just made an announcement that ad monetization for live streams has now gone live. So I'll be setting that up this week. You should be following me on Rumble. It is the only place to follow me uh, for video stuff anyway. Rumble.com slash Casey the host. Everywhere else is just not worth it. <clears throat> All right, we had a lot of information about uh, January 6th. We did a story earlier today. It was an update on a local story. man from Granger was detained by the Coast Guard. We had talked about it when it happened last month, but now there's body camera footage of the actual encounter. The Coast Guard uh, never had a warrant to arrest or detain him. Somebody created a Photoshopped fake FBI wanted poster and sent it to law enforcement in the area and somehow the Coast Guard got it and detained the guy for two hours. They never had a warrant because there isn't a warrant out for his arrest. He's not, a, he's not accused of doing anything illegal. But he was detained for two hours. And now we've got, we've got the body camera footage where the Coast Guard is basically saying, we think that we, it was a hoax and we got basically punked here. Um, now, this leads back to something else with the January 6th commission that we've had questions about from the very beginning. Where is Ray Epps? Now, Ray Epps is on camera calling to storm the Capitol the day before. Ray Epps is on camera whispering to an individual who then starts the Capitol riot. And Ray Epps was initially listed 
as somebody who was a person of interest. When they called for storming the Capitol the day before, they were immediately shouted down as being a fed by the by the crowd. So now what's very interesting is that we've been, where's Ray Epps? Where is this guy? Every time you ask the FBI who Ray Epps is, and if Ray Epps is an FBI asset, they don't answer the question. Do you know who Ray Epps is? Yes, we're aware of, of who he is. Was he working for you? Uh, we can't answer that. Is Ray Epps an asset for the FBI? I can't answer that. I'm paraphrasing the the questioning from the uh, the FBI. But who is this guy? Most of us have an assumption of who he is. Here's what's funny about this, though. What we do know for sure is that we have Ray Epps on camera calling for people to storm the Capitol. We have that beyond the shadow of a doubt. Calling for people to break into the Capitol building and stop the vote. Okay, we have that. So according to the left, right, Ray Epps on that video footage alone is an insurrectionist and quite possibly the love child of Adolf Hitler and George W. Bush, correct? Ray Epps is evil incarnate based on that video evidence. So tell me, tell me this. Why is the New York Times writing a glowing article about how Ray Epps is being victimized by the right? What is going on here? The New York Times is writing a puff piece for a guy who's on camera calling for people to storm the Capitol? Huh? Why is that? The gaslighting has begun. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
I got to tell you about five-star painting, folks. So my wife was outside the other day. Of course, we know that uh, the the painting of our house has finally happened. And uh, it was a long road for us to be able to get it prepared and ready to go. But the crew came out, took care of it, did a fantastic job from five-star painting. And, and my wife was outside the other day. And one of our neighbors from like a block away who apparently drives by our house with regularity actually like pulled up and said, hey, the house looks great. Uh, and complimented everything that happened. So the color is really good. The new contrast we have is good. We're we're doing a bunch of other stuff to the house as well. New kitchen is going in here very soon. So it's it's been um, it's been a work in progress. But five star painting is really one of the first steps to that process. We wanted to make sure that the outside of the house looked great. That it was going to have great curb appeal. That it was going to be able to be eloquent at night. And that the neighbors were going to be super jealous because ultimately it's about making your neighbors jealous of, of your lifestyle. And, yeah, I think they are. Uh, I really do. We got the nicest house in the block. Uh, I really believe that, and that's because of five-star painting. If you are looking at getting anything painted, whether it's a room on the inside, whether it's your cabinets in your kitchen, or if you're looking to get the entire exterior painted, go to fivestarpainting.com, make your appointment, get a color consultation, and when you do, Mention me, and they'll put it down. That you get free paint when you get your project done. Fivestarpainting.com. Mention me, and you get free paint. All right. So uh, th- we're going to have an update on this 10-year-old uh, rape story again tomorrow. There's apparently a new development that happened this afternoon, late this afternoon, even after uh, we had started discussing it earlier in the show. Again, Todd Rokita is now investigating the abortion doctor in Indianapolis who uh, allegedly did the abortion because, well, things are weird. Um, I, 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 you know, I'll give you this. I can't get into it now. The mom of the 10-year-old is now disputing the story. This is a very, very strange case. So that will be tomorrow. Follow me on Truth Social at Casey the Host. Subscribe to my Rumble channel at Casey the Host. Go to my new website btmedia.news you can join my free social network hang out with other listeners during the show post whatever you want within reason obviously and there's a merch store you're looking for shirts and coffee mugs and whatnot that's all there at btmedia.news we'll see you tomorrow